All right, good afternoon and welcome. Uh, good afternoon, or I guess good morning, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast. My name is Scott Duda. I'm an audit partner in the Raleigh office of Cherry Beckert, and I lead our firm's professional services industry group. We're a top 25 firm throughout the Southeast, and one of the largest and most important industries that we practice in is the architect and engineer industry. A lot of activity in recent months as firms have been jockeying for position heading into an important summer. An important summer as we look at Biden's infrastructure plan that will be in place by the end of the summer. There's a lot of consolidation in the market, a lot of talent acquisition underway, and firms are positioning themselves to be responsive to those opportunities. We're seeing a lot of successful firms close deals using cash generated by R&D credits, employee retention credits, and what we're going to talk about today, the 179D deduction. The most important and misunderstood of these is that 179D deduction. A lot of missed opportunities, and we want to educate you all on what that uh, deduction is about so that you can take advantage of it. Here today with me is Ron Wainwright, tax partner and leader of our credits and accounting methods practice. Welcome, Ron. Thank you, Scott. I'm also from uh, the Raleigh office, and we do appreciate, uh, whether it's morning or afternoon, uh, welcome to the Cherry Beckard podcast. So, Scott, if I can ask to your prior comments, there is a lot of activity. As you said, architects and engineering firms are jockeying for positions and utilizing various tax planning opportunities and other financing mechanisms to make sure that they ultimately finish the race as number one. So what from an A&E, from an architecture and engineering trend perspective, are you seeing with the industry? And then can you give us some background of, of what we've seen probably over the last 90 to 120 days as our industry leader? Sure. So, you know, with uh, the PPP funds that came in last year, uh, helped firms make it through the, the spring when things were so uncertain. And then uh, as we got into the summer, I think what we realized was that uh, certainly professional services firms were gonna be able to function in the COVID environment. Things weren't gonna shut down entirely. And so they continued to move things along. The, the PPP funds certainly helped in that regard. And I think uh, there was higher demand than uh, I, I think you know, we feared maybe in the spring uh, in terms of what could happen. So, so the summer and into the fall and through the end of the year, I think was better for many A&E firms than, than they certainly thought was possible uh, in the spring. And so they're better positioned right now. Their their um, cash is a little bit higher than maybe it has been in in recent years. Um, they also were probably in a more taxable position than maybe they anticipated in the spring. And so they're looking for opportunities to offset that uh, taxable income. But then also, as we roll into 2021, they're seeing opportunities where um, you know, COVID has impacted some firms uh, a little harder than others. And so there's a buying opportunity. And then you've also got uh, really talent acquisition or talent war this summer as uh, folks are looking to acquire talent to be ready to be responsive to that infrastructure plan. And so I, I think all of that is taking place. And um, what we've seen, uh, as you know, is uh, 
a very high interest in uh, the R&D credit in the 179D deduction. And so I, I think these are opportunities that, uh, that folks are exploring to, to again position themselves to be successful as we move into the summer and into the fall. Definitely a horse race out there to your comment. So can you talk to us a little bit about the 179D deduction? And uh, I've learned that it's a deduction, not a credit. Uh, so I, I'm aware of that. But tell us a little bit about that and its creation and, and sort of uh, how it's applicable to these A&E firms. So for those of you who may be somewhat familiar with 179 Cap D or those that are not aware, uh, it was created actually under uh, President George Bush in uh, late uh, 2004, underneath what was referred to as the Energy Policy Act, uh, which was passed in 2005. Um, and ultimately it was the first Energy Policy Act uh, of the United States. Uh, and within that, uh, recognizing that that was focused on creating greater energy efficiency across a broad spectrum, there was a provision that was placed, which is referred to as 179 Cap D, which Scott, as you outlined, is not a credit, often misunderstood, but is in fact a deduction. And the intent was to incent specifically architects and engineers uh, as designers, as well as building owners, those that own the building, to ultimately design and install energy efficient building systems. Uh, building systems would be lighting, uh, HVAC, and then ultimately building envelope components. Um, I would tell you that the energy efficiency deduction, 179 cap D, also applies to, to new construction and, and retrofits. So really all commercial buildings, where it is very specifically applicable to architects and engineers, is with respect to a provision that was placed in the, the Energy Policy Act of 2005, recognizing the number of governmental owned buildings, not just at the national level or federal level, but also at the state and local level. And it created an opportunity for those engineers and architects that were designing these energy efficiencies, um, as well as construction companies potentially installing these energy efficiencies, to receive a deduction, a phantom deduction, based on all of their work. Therein lies 179 Cap D. Uh, so it's applicable to really all buildings that are government owned at the federal, state, or local level. So typical uh, examples would be hospitals, um, K through 12 uh, type uh, educational facilities, uh, really a, a significant and a very broad spectrum at the federal, state, and local level of buildings that will qualify where the government only transfers that phantom tax deduction to the architect and engineering of record. So you mentioned new construction as well. How does that play into LEED certification, um, the ASHRAE standards? How does 179D play into those? Uh, so this is often a misunderstood area. Um, so there's really two different standards out there. So from a tax law perspective, the Energy Policy Act of 2005 adopted the architectural standards, uh, often referred to as 90.1, and then the specific year of standard that an architect must design to. Uh, so the 
ASHRAE or the architectural standards are, are published. Um, you really each year, and that is more of what I would call uh, guidelines uh, that they utilize in regards to uh, insulation values, uh, mechanical equipment, um, and, and very specific areas of ultimately the, the design of the building. When you think about LEED, um, and there is some overlap, but LEED is really generated out of the U.S. Green Building Council. And really the LEED standard began to take effect in uh, 2009. Uh, so when you kind of think historically to the Energy Policy Act of 2005, LEED really began to be a focus. And really what LEED is, is it more of a, a holistic uh, addressing the a wide variety of building types. Um, and really there's 21 actual different building types which users apply for the LEED standard. Um, there are some energy efficiency uh, mechanisms in the uh, U.S. Green uh, or what would be LEED oriented, but they are very, very different. ASHRAE and Architectural Standard LEED a U.S. Green Building Council standard, um, but obviously architects and engineers are aware of, but ASHRAE is really what I would infer as uh, the primary um, focus of, of from an architectural perspective. But when you think about the building owner or the governmental owner to receive that lead platinum, lead gold, lead really green award, uh, they're really focused on the uh, the green building council standards. So I know um, as we have approached clients and, and, and brought this to them, many uh, thought that perhaps it wouldn't apply. And as we have uh, gone through discussions, we've realized that uh, there are opportunities for them. And so I know you've helped many of my clients uh, personally, but you've also uh, helped uh, many clients around the firm uh, with this 179D. Can you give some examples, some success stories that we've had um, you know, over the last six, nine months where we've seen those types of opportunities? Uh, and as we have sort of dug in, uh, we've realized that there's more opportunity there than, than maybe we first saw on initial glance. So what we've experienced in our practice, as you know, Scott, is when 179 Cap D, a deduction, came into the statute back in 2005, it was really almost, and it was, the first energy standard of the United States. And as a result of that, there was an expiration period. And so often architects and engineers we're not aware of it. And because it had now been extended three different times um, within the tax law, um, sometimes sunsetting for a period of time and then being retroactively and reinstated, the first area that we would tell or give examples of success stories is simply on the educational front from the standpoint that, no, you are eligible even though you believe the law uh, had expired. Um, the good news is underneath uh, President Trump, one of the last pieces of tax legislation he he signed uh, in 2019 underneath what was referred to as the Consolidated Appropriations Act, uh, 179 Cap D was made permanent in the statute. So that initial, do I receive it? Uh, was it applicable to me? Uh, what does it mean to me? A lot of that has gone away because of the permanency now of 179 Cap D. Um, what we saw in our practice was um, 
whether you are designing uh, for the U.S. military or whether you're designing for a state uh, university system or you, whether you're designing for a, a local uh, county uh, educational system, uh, often architects and engineers don't understand the broad applicability of the provision. And so there's really three segments that we evaluate uh, based on the standards that we're aware of, which is in fact the ASHRA standards, not the LEED standards. Um, but we look at the lighting within a building. And so it's not just the original build of the building, but also architects and engineers have a tendency to overlook all the renovation work that has occurred literally over the last, really since 2008, 2009, uh, when we saw a big uh, hit from a, from a real estate perspective. Um, so when you think about uh, 179 Cap D, think not only about my original design work, but more importantly, what is all the renovation work I'm doing or my expansion work? And what are the areas of a building that I'm impacting? The three primary areas are the lighting, as I mentioned. So we know that there's a tremendous focus on energy efficiency. Um, often, you know, what is referred to, obviously, as lead lighting. Uh, we look at the mechanicals. Um, what and how is the building being cooled or heated? We want to make sure the insulation is there, obviously an energy efficiency standard. And then as architects and engineers know, the evolution of uh, building in regards to shells has evolved significantly with respect to their design work. So we look at all three of those areas, not just in the original design work, the original build, but also the renovations. And so when you think about, you know, a public university setting, uh, i.e. you can receive that phantom deduction at the state level, you think about all of the uh, dormitories and all of the facilities that are on a campus that ultimately are being designed and expanded uh, attributable to that whether it's a community college or a major university, uh, large opportunities there. Some of the very specific examples that we've been able to uh, help our clients with is to go back in time, even though you may have missed the opportunity in filing your returns. And actually, we go back and we're able to test and identify uh, those buildings. Um, it's the gross square footage, by the way, up to $1.80 a square foot. So when you think about, you know, a facility, think about it in gross square footage times $1.80 a square foot. Each of those segments, by the way, moves from a minimum of 60 cents on a square foot up to, um, well, really starts from zero to 60 cents. And then obviously across the three gets us to, to $1.80. But where we saw a lot of opportunity over the last year to your comments on PPP and some of the employee retention credit work we've done, uh, as well as um, A&E firms uh, recognizing that underneath the CARE Act, uh, they became eligible. And so in one success story, we had an architectural firm that did not understand it come back into the statute uh, retroactively. This was, by the way, prior to uh, the permanency. And we were able to generate a $10 million phantom tax deduction, which ultimately they were able to carry back underneath the care provisions for a five-year period. Uh, once we kind of educate that A&E firm that focus on the ASHRA standards, which you already are, and its applicability, 
I think uh, that's where we we see uh, a lot of successes. And also when we see larger projects, um, what we see there is that there are multiple architectural firms that are involved. And each one of those firms, each one of those engineering firms can also qualify for a portion of that allocable 179 cap D deduction. So I know that um, receiving a deduction uh, from the work associated with some of these uh, governmental buildings that are being designed and built creates a little bit more of a challenge with the deduction. Um, can you talk a little bit about that or that challenge and then how we overcome that challenge? Uh, so what we have found is there is a conception or maybe a misconception, I should say, um, so do remember that, you know, there's a very special rule for designers of governmental buildings. That's where the A&E opportunity rests. And, and it allows that governmental entity to assign the deduction to the person that is primarily responsible for what would be deemed, if you read the statute, the primary designer of the energy efficiency system. However, what we have found is that if I'm the primary architect and I use subcontractors based upon their technical uh, competency, I as the primary designer actually step into the shoes as it's referred to of the governmental entity. And then I can allocate to my contractors, my other subcontractors of other architectural firms in regards to the work that they did specifically in, in lighting and the, and the mechanical and, and often what would be deemed to be uh, the shell. Um, what also is confusing is there's a, a hesitancy by architects and engineering firms to, well, how do I go about receiving this transfer of deduction? Really don't have that uh, knowledge. And that's where Cherry Becker comes in. So we do everything from the modeling and the testing and the qualification and certification that you, in fact, are eligible for this deduction. We do it all on time and materials. And then as part of our uh, services, we actually complete the transfer of the deduction, which ultimately must be signed by the federal state or our local municipality that ultimately is the owner of the building. Um, some of the other things we've encountered is there's some confusion out there when you think about public-private buildings, um, specifically in hospital settings where the financing has been a portion of the public and obviously a portion of the private. And we see that more and more. Well, that portion of the public, um, that public funding, uh, that ownership by that public entity is also eligible for an allocable share of the 179 cap D deduction. And uh, so the other thing I would say is an architectural firm is designing, you know, a significant number of projects each year. And so when you think about the opportunity for you, think about it in the context of the aggregation of all of the square footage that you've designed across all of the governmental owned buildings uh, that you've been involved in, even if you are the primary designer or what would be deemed to be the allocable uh, primary designer. Uh, our experience is that uh, it does take some time to receive the deduction, uh, but as all things, it's about understanding who to go to and who has the authority if we're doing a Department of Defense type um, you know, military uh, base allocable 
we need to understand who to go to with respect to you know, the Army, uh, if we're dealing with a state uh, university system or a hospital. Um, we've done so much significant work that we have a lot of connectivity and a lot of relationships that takes that burden off the architects, and that is part of what we do. Uh, and then ultimately we can help to understand, well, how do I claim the deduction? Um, how does that work within my return? And we can help uh, architect and engineers firms uh, being very respectful of their um, firms and, and helping them claim that deduction and ultimately maximizing this deduction. Uh, the one thing I would say um, is for A&E firms, given the permanency now, and as Scott correctly said, the infrastructure bill is pending. Uh, we expect to see that actually sign likely, you know, towards the uh, likely September, October timetable. Um, architects and engineers are going to be uh, large winners when it comes to the design of all the energy efficiency work, given all of the things that are going to occur uh, underneath the infrastructure bill. So, Scott, if I can ask uh, you to kind of wrap us up um, with respect to uh, our podcast on uh, architects and engineers, uh, stay tuned. We have another podcast coming up in regards to credits uh, with respect to R&D, given some of the trends in the industry around technology. But Scott, if I can ask you to kind of just make our concluding comments. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ron. And thanks for all you and your group have done to help our clients with this 179D deduction. I know it's brought a lot of value to them as we move through this pandemic. Um, you've certainly given us a lot to think about as we determine how best to take advantage of this deduction. Um, you know, we want to help A&E firms through this summer. Uh, there's going to be a, a, a talent acquisition uh, war taking place. Um, firms are going to continue to uh, see a significant opportunity expected from that infrastructure bill. And so this uh, 179D deduction uh, can be a tremendous value for them. Our contact information, both for myself and for Ron, uh, should be available at the link where you access the podcast, or you can visit our website at cbh.com. We'd be happy to help you navigate this complex and valuable deduction, as Ron mentioned, and we appreciate the opportunity to be your guide forward.